again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of RV Business Capital Talk, sponsored by the DICOR Corporation. I'm Rick Kessler from, from RV Business, and with me is Greg Four from RV Business. And joining the two of us today, we've got Kevin McCart, General Manager at Forest River, and Nathan Hart, who is uh, owner of uh, several dealerships, um, Walnut Ridge, excuse me, yes, Walnut Ridge RV. I almost said Walnut Ridge, Indiana but uh, Newcastle, Indiana, also Primo RV, which is where he's at today. And then he's got a couple of locations down in Louisiana. Um, both gentlemen are joining us because both are the incoming chair, Nathan for the RV Dealers Association and Kevin for the RV Industry Association. Uh, actually, Nathan, I think your term has already started, has it not? Yes, it started uh, last month at, uh, at our RVDA convention in, in, in Vegas. Very good. Well, the good news about that, uh, Nathan, is you only have 11 months to go. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's what everybody says. Well, uh, let me start, Rick, if that's all right. Uh, first of all, I've known both of you for some time, Kevin, a lot longer than Nathan. Uh, but I know that you both have strong beliefs uh, about industry unity. And I, I'm curious as you both venture into this new uh, seat, these new seats, and congratulations, by the way, uh, for putting yourself uh, in, in these positions. Uh, what, what, what are some high-profile topics, one or two, that you see RVDA and RVIA working on in concert with one another to, to try to move the industry forward? Okay. Um, Nate, you want me to go first? Sure. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, there are really two high profile uh, initiatives that uh, come to mind. One is the uh, RV Technical Institute and the other is uh, RECT, um, both aimed at protecting our $140 billion industry. Um, the RECT initiative was started uh, back in 2017 where members of RVDA and RVIA met at the last Louisville show uh, to, to discuss one of the biggest threats to our industry, which is customer satisfaction. Um, both associations came together for a common goal in identifying and improving the repair event cycle time. Um, and, you know, looking back at it, I think, um, I believe this joint venture was a, was a pivotal moment in our industry unity. Um, because where do you, where do you have uh, manufacturers, uh, dealers, suppliers, um, all coming together for a common goal? Um, I do want to give credit to to Gary Enyart and, and Bill Rogers and all those involved that that spearheaded this project to what it is today. Um, there's still there's still work to be done, um, and Mr. Enyart is, is focused on on publishing a quarterly newsletter highlighting. Um, R-E-C-T. Um, my, my wife often reminds me that I use the curse of knowledge, uh, meaning that I assume people understand what I'm talking about. And I, <laughs> think that, 
And I think that's what's going on uh, in our industry. And, and that's why, you know, there are a lot of industry members that do not know the meaning of RECT and how it can raise the bar in customer satisfaction. So, um, you know, we're, we're bringing attention to it now and, and informing them of that and um, making uh, or uh, protecting our, our industry in that regards. Nathan, so, David, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, Nathan, oh, go ahead, Rick. I was just going to swing it over to Nathan, and especially from a dealer perspective, being on the front lines, how important is the repair event cycle time? Well, it's extremely important. It's uh, uh, something that we put a lot of emphasis on. In fact, you know, like you said, I, I'm down actually in Louisiana visiting some of our stores here uh, this week. And that was our morning meetings with our, our fixed operations director and service manager is evaluating everything from top to bottom of how do we continually lower the, the repair event cycle times uh, at our stores? Because, you know, the manufacturers obviously play a major role in helping us get parts and expediting warranty processes, all those types of things. But dealers also have got to look at our, our internal processes to make sure that we're not causing some of the delay as well, which, which we are. I mean, and, and that's why we're working on it. And that's why RBTI is so important. In fact, the room that I'm in now, I don't really have an office down here of my own. Uh, this is our training. This is one of our training rooms for our RBTI, our, our RBTI training. Um, and, you know, all the, those kind of go together because even if we have all of our processes right uh, and we have everything down and we don't have technicians that, that understand how to repair um, items or, or, or concerns, then it, it won't matter. Um, so you have to have these together, the unity that we have amongst our industry, you know, I'm told it wasn't always like that, but ever since I've been on the board, it always has been. So it's all I've known and we appreciate the partnerships. We take it very seriously as dealers. And I know the manufacturer side does as well. And, uh, you know, we're just happy to be a part of it. We are going to continue to push our ECT and our VTI. The value of our VTI for a dealer is I can't believe we get that type of curriculum for the amount of money uh, that, that they charge. And it's being subsidized, you know, from the industry as a whole. And we need to take advantage of it. I'm going to continue to you know, to be a champion for that, because I've seen what it's done to our dealerships, what it's done to our technicians and how it impacts the end customer experience. Um, and we just got to get everybody on board. And it seems like we keep saying all these things all the time. And we yet, like Kevin said, we still have a, a large portion of our industry that doesn't even know what RECT means. And I might have people in my dealerships that don't. And but we talk about it all the time and we're going to have to continue to do that. A lot of people are putting a lot of work to make these things a success um, and it takes a long time. And, you know, some of the things we've dealt with the last couple of years, maybe push some of that back a little bit. But I see uh, a, fo a laser focus on this. Uh, like Kevin said, you know, Gary Inyer is donating his time now. He's retired and he's making a, a you know, a high priority for him. And our, both associations together, um, I think we'll get this figured out eventually. It's good stuff. Um, it, it certainly is unity in a way we didn't have years ago. We had different kinds of unity on different subjects. But, <laughs> but different things come about. Different people are in positions. That, uh, you know, the, the new... Uh, the new guys like both of you come along 
and figure out new ways to work together. That's that's the value of the association world and what it brings to the industry. People don't think about it every day. And I, I give you guys credit again for thinking about that. So if you can pick one thing that may be coming down the road and each of you have a separate uh, list here, uh, but what, what what's a new initiative that is probably, uh, we're hearing the drums pound, but it's not here yet that we may see in the near future from RVA standpoint, Kevin? Well, I think something that just jumped out at us was the, uh, uh, the bipartisan infrastructure law that was just recently passed where it provides $7.5 billion over five years to help states install EV chargers along uh, interstate highways. Um, if you think of uh, a traditional EV charging station, it's not suitable for, for the products um, our industry produces. So we need to be um, in front of that. Um, we've uh, put together a cross-functional uh, electrified RV task force uh, to determine how best to address our industry needs at the uh, state and federal level. Um, so that's that's what we're one of the things we're currently working on right now. And another one um, is uh, another initiative is, is campsite availability. Uh, you know, and, and good luck with that. <laughs> well, in, in the campground market analysis that was done, it showed I think it was 11.2 million households own an RV and only 1.6 million campsites available. Um, we run the risk of, of customers exiting uh, this lifestyle if they can't find a campsite near their preferred location or destination. So, I mean, a lot of work's been done uh, or has been accomplished uh, with the public campgrounds, but uh, there are many opportunities that remain uh, within the private campground sector. And, and we will continue to, to work on, on building uh, industry unity there. I like, I like this, the fact that the, the association is not just dealing with tomorrow, but they're dealing with the day after tomorrow. They're looking down the road. Nathan, what about from RVDA's perspective? Well, yes. I mean, you know, Kevin hit on the campground um, availability, and that's something that we continue to work with. You know, we all know that the Great American Outdoors Act was passed. Well, you know, that money has not all been spent. We got to make sure that it's going to the right places. We need to make sure that we reduce red tape so we can get private campgrounds on public lands, because let's face it, our federal government's not great at managing those types of things as well as, as uh, private owners are. And you know there, there's a lot of uh, potential for that. It won't cost the government any money. They're going to make money from the lease. And there's a lot of interest in private owners going in and leasing these uh, lands on on public uh, parks where we can have nice campgrounds. Um, so that that's one thing, and that is down the road type situation. But we got to work with that. And then the FTC motor vehicle trade regulation. We're really paying attention uh, to that uh, along with other associations because it's basically bringing the RV industry and the auto industry together. Um, and, you know, they're just wanting to add more regulation, more red tape, more paperwork. And it, it doesn't really make sense. It's not something that, that needs to be done. And especially in a time when we need to not be confusing customers, but make it easy to purchase from us. 
Um, and so we, we've got to keep our eye on that. And that's something that uh, we've been working with. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably, I mean, this current administration, current environment doesn't look good on, on, you know, with the FTC. We know we have all the new rules that just came out. This is in addition to that. This isn't the FTC safeguard rules. And don't get me wrong, there's some things in that that make sense uh, from a, you know, consumer protection privacy protection that that makes some sense but this new ftc motor vehicle trade deal is is just it, it doesn't make sense from a business standpoint and there's really not a problem there and they're 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 trying to just make it uh, a little bit more difficult to do business so those are two of our our main focuses right now that, that we're looking at from rvda's perspective uh rick why don't you uh, uh take them into what the first of the year might look like. Sure, sure. Um, I think it's no secret the industry is is uh, in a reset, but the reset is taking us down to what everybody generally agrees with is the normal projected levels of where we should be. Take away the last two years as a, a very welcome anomaly, but anomaly nonetheless. Uh, I think I tripped over that word, but that's okay. Uh, but I'm curious, we're curious, what do you guys have to think, uh, have to say about uh, Q1 next year? How far before we might see uh, that retail demand ramp back up? Well, I mean, that's something that you know, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a good guess. Uh, you know, from our standpoint, we've been working on budgeting over, these, over this last month. And it is difficult. I mean, you know, we we foresee that the first quarter to be down compared to 22, uh, 22 started off really, really good. Um, but it, you know, we don't we, we just don't really know until we get into the shows. Uh, we don't have a good feel. I mean, our retail is not dead, uh, you know, by any means. It's not as good as it was a year ago. Um, some of our numbers at some of our stores are better and uh, finished November better than 19. Okay. Um, so, but then other stores, it's not. Uh, the public is out there. Most of our consumers that, that are in our industry, their economic situation has not changed really that much currently. It is they're concerned about that it may, and they're concerned about the future. So as those things stabilize, I think the retail demand um, will, will still stay strong. And, you know, when you compare what camping costs versus going to a vacation to Florida or wherever your destination of choice is, I mean, you could spend ten or $15,000 on a vacation of four for four. How many camping trips can you take? Right. This right. is still, I mean, it may be more than it was, but it's still a lot less than the alternative. So I think we still offer a great value and a great story to be told to, to you know, get away from all the things that we worry about every single day. And I think our demand is still going to be strong. Um, first quarter, don't know. As And I know you didn't ask about the rest of the year, but I could see a kind of a flip where first quarter is a little weaker, but I believe later in the year, we could have months that were stronger than they were in 22. Very good. Kevin? Yeah. Um, get out your crystal ball. Yeah, well, if I had the answer to this question, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Um, <laughs> but th there are definitely some, you know, uh, some strong headwinds facing our industry um, to start the first quarter of 2000. 23. Um, the strongest headwind, um, in my opinion, is inflation. 
and how the Fed slow demand with future rate hikes. Um, you know, to, to Nathan's point, I mean, retail activity has fallen off slightly, but has outpaced wholesale shipments uh, since May of this year. Uh, so we, I believe we are on a path to a new normal, um, a new normal as it relates to production rates and, and dealer inventory. Um, although I don't see this happening in Q1, um, but I do uh, see it happening or normalizing in Q2 of next year. Um, our industry is resilient. You know, we've been we've weathered many storms, and if you look at the past 13 years, um, I mean, we've seen a compound annual growth rate of 13%, which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, the the interesting thing to me, and, and this is a crystal, really crystal ball look, is uh, inventory obviously built very fast in, in the spring of last year. And, and then since that time, since May, as you said, Kevin, inventory has been dwindling as retail outpaced hotel on, on, on a national scale, not necessarily in a particular market. So as dealers, Nathan, rebalance their inventory, is it price points? Is it product types? What's driving the inventory reduction? Is it the cost of floor planning? Is it all the above? Is What do you see that? It really is. It, it is all the above. I mean, obviously, the cost to carry inventory is a lot more. And it's more at a normal level. I mean, we got used to several years of being extremely low. Cost of money was cheap. So the inventory was cheaper. Also, you have inventory that costs more. So you know, we might not be able, uh, some dealers based on a budgeting standpoint might not be able to stock as many units because the prices are more money. Um, so, and, and then we also, we don't know. So uh, from a dealer standpoint, you don't know what's going to sell. Are you going to go stock five deep on a, on a seller that maybe was great last year, but now isn't? Because we saw that this summer that some of the units that were traditionally really good sellers weren't selling they weren't moving but then units that that weren't good sellers in the past are now so you got to kind of wait and see you know there's a lot of new models i know the manufacturers of you know even at open house you saw many new floor plans and many new models but sometimes you got to take a a wait and see approach to that because you don't really know if the retail is going to be there for those for some of those innovative models yeah yeah interesting rick you want to close this up bud I think we probably should. I want to, uh, first of all, thank DICOR Corporation for their longtime sponsorship of this uh, program. Also, Nathan, Kevin, thank you very much for your time today. Little did you know that uh, becoming the chair of your associations would involve nothing more than media interviews all day long. <laughs> well, thank you both for having us. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, you bet. Enjoy the holidays, my friends. Yep, you too. Thank you.